Welcome to the Prepared to Win Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Oliver, here with Dane Lee. Today, we're going to get into the topic that everyone wants to hear about, and that's nutrition. Um, this is probably, well, this is the one that people requested the most of whenever I put out what topics everyone wanted to hear about. It's one that I have uh, a lot of experience in, <clears throat> not saying I'm like the smartest guy on nutrition in the world, um, but I do happen to know a thing or two, and that's kind of been proven over time with all my clients. This stuff has been pretty well documented throughout um, posts that I've made before. You know, some of my clients that have won stage shows have done various things within the performance realm, you know, and I've even, you know, the people that aren't local don't know, like... You know, this gym's been featured in the uh, biggest local paper around, which is, well, I mean, it's one of the biggest papers in Ohio, and on uh, Channel 5 News, which is out of Cleveland. So it, it's not to say, like, you know, we're the, we're the best thing ever, but we, we kind of know a thing or two here. That's been, like I said, well documented. So I kind of wanted to get into, you know, we're, we got this first of the year thing going on. We got new people wanting to come in and train. We got new people wanting to come in, especially for nutrition this time of year blasts up because it's like the whole new year, new me thing like we talked before. So we get a lot of nutrition inquiries. And the thing is, is that one, when you're picking out like who's going to run your nutrition, this should be something that they can prove to you, not just like pictures of like, Hey, look at this person. Look at them now. You know, Mm -hmm. that's one part of it. Sure. But what's their philosophy behind the nutrition? Because anyone can take anyone pretty much and take them from overeating and have them drastically under eat and say, look, there's a change that is not hard to do. All right. And in most cases, that's what happened. That's why when someone shows me a transformation, I start asking the questions, well, how much did they eat? How long did this take? What um, was the average drop per month on their pounds? Like, what was the average drop in body fat? Did they, what was the body fat from start to finish? You know, I start asking the other questions. Did they have restrictions on any foods? You know, was their lifestyle completely upended for that goal? Things like that are questions that you should kind of be asking uh, when you choose a nutrition coach, um, not just the before and afters. And that's why I like to keep, you know, a couple stats on hands, uh, on hand for, for myself as well of past people I've worked with and things like that. So I'm going to get into, uh, an example or two of those, but before I get into it, a lot of people, you know, like I said, they come in for nutrition and their idea of nutrition is that they have to go on this extremely strict diet. Mm-hmm. That there, I, I hear all the myths. Well, aren't carbs bad? I still hear these. I hear these from yeah. athletes sometimes. Well, aren't carbs bad? Well, I should be watching my sugar intake. Like I can't have any sugars. I can't eat bread. I can't, you know, all these things start mm-hmm. coming up. Um, people worrying too much about eating before going to bed and, mm-hmm. and all these things. Now, mind you, like I am not going to get into like a full nutrition seminar on this because I have literally talked in my nutrition seminars on just macros, energy levels, and a couple things dealing with like salt, sugar, and all that. Mm-hmm. And I've went on for an hour and a half. So yeah. we're, we're not going to get that deep into it here, but I am going to start to explain like some of the philosophy around nutrition. So people come in 
And like I said, that's kind of their expect- expectations of nutrition. Here, we try to do something that's completely opposite of what a lot of people do. I like to build the metabolism. Mm-hmm. Now, it just depends on where they're starting, where they've been eating, what their body fat levels are, what their, you know, all these things come into play. Are, are they an athlete or is this a gen pop kind of person? Is this someone who's going through a cut? Is this a stage competitor? These are all different, very different scenarios. All right. So you have to take and play what their overall goal is and you have to act accordingly. Someone that wants to do a stage show, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, things are going to suck a little bit more, but for a gen pop person, you don't need to diet like you're at three weeks out from a stage show. Right. You know what I mean? It shouldn't be that way. Can you explain what three weeks out from a stage show in relation to the gen pop you just talked about? Because someone so, might hear that and they're like, oh, I'm not eating like yeah. a bikini figure. It's so like, you are, you just don't. So it just it. depends. So you had like, you know, my um, poster child for nutrition has always been Aaron. And if you have followed us long enough, you know exactly who Aaron is. And, you know, Aaron, three weeks out from a stage show was unlike a lot of other people three weeks out from a stage show. So during her time um, before her bikini show, which she went up there and, and took first place, um, I think she came in on the bod pod at like, I want to say it was 6%. I'd have to look up her thing, so I'm not too wrong on that. But it was right around 6% body fat, okay. which is extremely lean for a female. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. But when she you know, was three weeks out, I mean... She, if I remember correctly, I'd have to look back at all the posts. I'm trying to look back through my notes quick. She had uh, not dropped below 100 grams of carbs a day, I think until like 10 days out or something like that. So even at, um, I remember a month out, she was still eating like 17, 1800 calories a day, a month out. And you'll see a lot of times like a bikini competitor I took on from, um, I'm just going to blast them, bare aesthetics from Dylan bear. I took on a client of his that he starved this person out for five months. And I saw, she sent me over the spreadsheet for those, for those months Mm -hmm. where five months out, he had her on, um, it was about 1100 calories a day. So the fats were way down, I believe in like the thirties or something like that. So yeah, he's, uh, he's a real winner that one. But, uh, anyway, a basic stage competitor on average, a couple weeks out, if it's like bikini or something like that figure, you know, it's not unreasonable to think, uh, for, for everyone that I not mind you, these girls have placed top five, mm. you know, we're talking first place, second place, third place finishers, 14, 1500 calories, 1600 calories. Still, mm-hmm. I've never personally dropped someone below, uh, I think 1280 at the lowest day. Okay. And this was before we start adding some things and I'll get way deep into that, but like, okay. <laughs> so I can't go there, but like about five, five days out, six days out okay. is usually typically around their lowest day. Got it. All right. So that was one person too. So out of all the competitors, that, that was one person that had to go that low. So if someone were getting nutrition advice from someone and they're putting them around that range, around 12, 1300 consistently, consistently the, like just your daily eating, that's bad. Yeah. That's not a good thing. Yeah. Um, even 1400, 1500, unless you're a very tiny person, mm-hmm. um, is kind of pushing it. So anyway, kind of back before I go on a rant of yeah. stage competitors. <laughs> so if you're getting this feedback or this, this advice from people that are trying to put you on that low of food, they're mm-hmm. wrong. They're dead wrong. I don't care what the reasoning is. 
they're completely wrong. Even someone who's like severely or just obese in general, Mm -hmm. to drop them that low off the start is ignorant. Because if there's someone, let's say, is weighing, let's just take a 400-pound person. Okay. All right. If you take that person and it's it's kind of popular at like hospitals and stuff, put them on that 900 calorie, thousand calorie diet to try to get them down. I fully understand that sometimes these people, you have to restrict a little more just because if it triggers anything that they want to just eat and gorge, it's going to be a bad day. I've trained people a very long time ago that were like that. Mm-hmm. I understand that. But if that person weighs 400 pounds, it means they are grossly overeating, like insanely overeating. It is not just like, oh, well, you know, my maintenance is 3,200 calories and I'm eating 4,000 right now. Mm -hmm. No, they're eating thousands of calories above what they need. All right. So I, again, I don't want to go down one rabbit hole or the other, but in that case, Mm -hmm. it's smarter just to get that person to be a little bit more active, slowly start to cut some things out slowly bring down those foods over time so they start to get used to it a little bit easier all right now those again special case so i'm not trying to go one special case or the other special case so let's take the common person that might come in and let's say it's a um let's say it's someone that's just you know five six percent uh, overweight on body fat. Let's say they weigh, you know, 250 pounds or something like that. And they're six foot tall male, you know, and you know, there's, there's some kind of background of at least they're starting to go to the gym. You know, I'm not going to sit here and calculate, okay, what do we need for that person? Because there's too many variables that go into it. I need that individual feedback. Mm -hmm. But for like someone like that, my first look is like, what are they eating? You know, mm-hmm. like as far as actual food content, what are you eating? You know, nine times out of 10, it's not very nutritious at all. All right. All right. Density is the, pretty the, poor. Yeah. The micros are off. The um, actual nutritional value of their foods are way off. So my first thing will be, let's just get you to eat a little bit better. Let's get you, hopefully you're moving and let's, let's just take that they're working out. Okay. Four times a week, five times a week. They're in the gym. All right. Let's take that. So my first thing would be, let's just get them to change the diet up, not really restrict too many calories, but it will probably naturally restrict calories just because they're not eating those, those uh, shit foods, basically. The inadvertent or unintentional reduction in calories because you're being more mindful. Yeah. Yeah. But not only that, so I'll do one way and then I'll do the other way. So let's say they're just overeating because it's it's bad food. It's heavily dense caloric food that has no nutrients at all. Okay. Let's just get it to eat different. Let's see what a little bit of fiber does in your body. Let's see what a little bit of these micros does in your body. <laughs> You're continuing to work out. Let's just see what that does. Mm-hmm. Nine times out of 10, they're going to see a water reduction immediately. So there's some pounds gone. Mm-hmm. All right. They're going to start to see some changes. They might start actually building a little bit of muscle. Mm -hmm. So we might start to see some changes there. But then also on the flip side of that, I've had people that come in that are like the person I described and they're grossly under eating, but it's all junk food. There's no actual nutritional value in there Mm -hmm. and their body gets fed junk food. Then it also, you know, usually they're a little bit more sedentary. Um, they probably haven't been consistently working out, but that food provides no nutritional value. Plus now you're under eating. Mm-hmm. So your body's response to that is store. You yeah. know what I mean? So my whole philosophy around nutrition is 
to eat more, to get your metabolism. You can build your metabolism the same way you build muscle in the gym, the same way you build up your cardiac output is mm-hmm. the same, somewhat similar. Let's not call it the same because right. I'll get taken too far. It is a similar method to your metabolism. All right, but first we got to get the foods right. You, you can't you can't build by eating cheeseburgers and french fries every single day not to say that the you know you can't have those once in a while but it's just not it's just not how it works you know the idea is build the metabolism up through feeding all right this can be a process that can take six months to even a year possibly more to build and it can be an ongoing thing and it rolls in phases so it's not always you know it's not linear and it's not always like, okay, four months in and, and now the metabolism right. set. It's not Light always. Switch. There it is. Yeah, it doesn't always work that way. So when we're starting this, I generally start to look at body composition. It's the reason for the pictures. Mm-hmm. You know, and I start to look at the weight, but I'm, I'm, I'm more concerned with the overall change of how they look, yeah. the output changes. And then the weight, sure, but again, that the weight the weight isn't always the truest thing because what do you mean you can have people that can stay maintaining weight and drop body fat mm-hmm. it, it may have seen a lot you know i've had i've had people have gained weight and dropped body fat you mm-hmm. know so it, you have to take in all these factors of like how much muscle they actually have on their body what they're coming from you know what their fitness is like now like what kind of fitness regimen they're on and what you might switch them to things like that we'll get into that later Got a lot of got a lot of, <laughs> of great uh, people on that one. So once we start to build the metabolism, now the cutting becomes easier. So when we actually do go through a cut phase, and what's funny is a lot of times these people are starting to eat more, mm-hmm. but their weight is staying the same or dropping, and they're building muscle, and the body fat's coming down, mm-hmm. and then the ball starts rolling. Yeah. All right. So you get that momentum going, and yeah. it just takes off. So the more muscle that we can get on your body. I burn more muscle sitting here than a person with higher body fat would be sitting here. Right. Generally, it depends on how much they weigh, you know, all those yeah. things, obviously. But I'm generally going to burn more. Well, we can take me and you, for example. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm probably burning more sitting here than you. Yes. Right. Now, can we say it for sure? We don't know. We'd have to check some things. But let's just take that yeah. for, for example, because it's just us two sitting. Mm-hmm. So, more muscle on the body means more. F- more, I don't want to say more fat burn, God, more, more <laughs> caloric, caloric burn, um, throughout the day Yeah, by just moving throughout your day, mm-hmm. natural movement. So we start to build up the metabolism. Now we're trying to, you know, trying to build muscle as well. Mm-hmm. All right. And then now when the cuts come, like I said before, now we're cutting on higher food than we did before. So guess what? Mentally, the cuts are not as hard, right? Physically, the cuts are not as hard. You're still eating enough to maintain that muscle that we built on there. And then from like a, um, I don't know, it's just from like, you know, your blood glucose isn't shifting all over the place constantly. huge. Yeah. So you're not in that mental fog. Yeah. You know, you you feel better throughout Mm -hmm. the cut. And that's the biggest thing is a lot of people, like they won't even feel like they're in a cut. You know, and then for like, take my performance athletes, when we start to see that little bit of performance drop, all right, depending on what their overall goal is, when I start to see that, 
we might roll with it just a little longer and then we got to come back up, mm-hmm. you know, unless they're taking a very, very long off season, then we'll keep kind of going. It depends on their overall goal. So I don't want to stop the momentum cause you're rolling, but mm. would you be able to put rough numbers as an example? So if you had someone who came in here, I'll go through one right now. Okay. So if you, this is easy to refer back cause we just posted about her was uh, Caitlin. If you go on, my Instagram or the Unrivaled Strength Instagram, you're going to see these pictures of Caitlin. So when Caitlin came in, she was coming from, she was eating um, a good amount of food. Mm-hmm. Well, I shouldn't say that. She was eating just a few meals a day. Okay. All right. It wasn't very nutritious food most mm-hmm. of the time. And it was somewhat of, I don't want to say like, it was like a lot of more processed things, stuff like that. Okay, yeah. It just wasn't a lot of food. But then there was binging in there as well, obviously. Like there was just eating whatever kind yeah. of thing, whatever she felt like eating. She came in at 182. And we immediately started with this kind of a basic day. We went, I think, 200 carbs, 170 protein, and 52 fats. All right. For, for everyone, I hold on one second. I will add this because I know you're all probably wondering so she started out at 1948 calories all right okay so from there we adjusted to she came to you at 1940 or uh, that's what i put her on that's what we started on 1948 on the calories now mind you this is a power lifter 182 pounds starting out Mm -hmm. so i also controlled the programming which was nice but we we couldn't do a lot off the start Mm -hmm. as much as I wanted to, because she did compete in the fall also. So go ahead and refer back to that where she hits PRs, but listen to the nutrition here. Okay. So we started, you know, the 200, 170, 52. Then we went to 200, 170, 52 on high days. Low days were 150 carb, 170 protein, 55 fat. And her manipulation was Monday was a high day. Tuesday was low. Wednesday was low. Thursday was low, Friday high, Saturday low, Sunday high. Now that was to kind of coincide a little bit. Um, There's two factors of manipulation in there. One is to kind of coincide with her program a little bit to have um, some higher days around like squat day and things like that. But there's also a secondary manipulation in there that um, there is research that talks about doing a three to one method where you do three days lower and then one day higher. Mm. This isn't like a huge sway manipulation, but you know, this is good for like when I'm cutting down people for shows and things. Yeah. Um, so that third day or the fourth day when they finally get the high day, mm-hmm. it um, one spikes leptin levels. So like that's hunger responses spiking. Yeah. So generally what happens is their body's like, oh my God, we're getting food again. You know, so it starts revving up a little yep. bit and then you uh two different ways you, you can you can typically we drop it back down the next day mm-hmm. that next day they're content but starting to get a little bit hungry mm-hmm. you know what i mean and the body's like wait where's that food i just had right you know so then a lot of times i'll boom i'll hit it with another high day the next day mm-hmm. you know and then i'll roll back to a three to one so it just depends like how they're responding some i'll just keep going three to one on for a couple weeks mm-hmm. but generally i'll do something where i'll throw in a sneak in a second high day in there so okay. i might go three one you know fourth day's high day skip to a low day next day would be high you know so again now we're we're messing with those levels in the hunger responses um i and i've done this with myself many times so 
for example, right now, I brought my body weight down a little bit. And now that I've thrown in, like I can gorge on food and really up my calories over two days. And that next day I'll feel a little bit content. But the second day after that, I am hungry. So if you've never tried this method, give it a try. It does actually uh, work and you'll be surprised. But anyway, back to her macros. So from there, we adjust. I'm not going to go through like the whole thing here, but I'll kind of skip around. Okay. We adjusted down a little bit, um, 180 carb on the, the high day, 170, 50. Low day, 140 carbs, 70, 54, 170, 54. Now skip ahead because she was coming up on her meat. We, we couldn't really mess with too much from there. I had her at um, every day. She was doing 170 carb, 170 protein, and 51 fat. At that time here, whenever we were getting closer to the meat, you know, I'm not going to keep lowering calories. We actually popped them up a little bit, like meat week, especially, and things like that. We yep. brought them back up um, because she wasn't trying to make like the 165 class or anything. She was going to compete at 181. Her weight was sitting fine for 181. So we fed a little bit more. Mm-hmm. All right. When we get into like post meat, you know, I wanted the body to repair a little bit and things like that. So she's at 195 carbs, 168 protein, 55 fat to start that, 150 low. 168.57. At that time, she weighed 175. Okay. So she's lost seven pounds now, mm-hmm. right? From there, um, we pull her down to 165 carb, 165 protein, 53 fat. All right. And this is, I need to go, I would have to actually go back into like my my email, like my big notes here to see exactly. I think this is roughly three months into nutrition. All right. So from there, we start to actually come back up for a little bit. So we came back up 210 carb, 170 protein, 58 fat. So if you start to do that math there, a couple months in, she's weighing 170 pounds at this point. She's eating more food then than when she started, right? So to fast forward a little bit, because I know it's probably getting a little bit boring for people who don't really give a shit. Um, (laughs) We fast forward a little bit. About six months in here, she was uh, eating 220 carbs a day, 170 protein, 55 fat, her non-day of training, meaning she's not training that day. So we switched kind of the method up a little bit, was 155 carb, 170 protein, 61 fat. She weighs 167 at that point. So here she is. She lost 15 pounds. She lost body fat. And now we've taken her food higher than she had eaten before when she first started, weighing 15 pounds less. And we'll be able to continue this trend for a while where I'll probably be able to work her up to ballpark uh, around 300 carbs a day and probably close to 60 fats a day with the protein remaining somewhat around you know, that 170 range. And she'll probably weigh, you know, right around, I, if I guess 170, 171, maybe, you know, and that provides a greater area for cut because now she's going to cut on the food she started with before that is still like 2000 calories a day. So this girl, you know, a year into nutrition or less, she's going to be cutting on 2000 calories. Whereas mm-hmm. most girls, like they would love to eat 2000 calories a right. day. 
you know, or a lot, I shouldn't, you know, there are a lot of people like that out there. So that's just kind of one quick example on that kind of philosophy. So. I was trying to ballpark the math as you were going through yeah. and writing some of the numbers down. So I know that I'm not exactly on with this, but I was trying to get the last round where you said that she had dropped down around the, like the 170 mm-hmm. range as far as what she was eating. And it comes out to at least a little over 2,100 mm-hmm. through that part. So she's lost how much weight at this point? 15 pounds. 15 pounds. Mm-hmm. And she's almost 200 calories over where she started with you at that mm-hmm. 1940. Yeah. And mathematically, someone would look at that and say like, well, you're not going to lose weight. Like if you're doing that long enough, like you should be gaining weight because you have mm-hmm. those small incremental caloric increases. And this is something that I, I love. I love yeah. the idea of building metabolism because so many times people that I've talked to and watched where they're like, well, I just need to keep cutting calories mm-hmm. out. I need to keep cutting. The, 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 not to interrupt you. No, the, no. the other big thing is that we didn't do cardio. So, we did some um, some walks and mm-hmm. things like that. Like she did like 10-minute walks, 15-minute incline walks, something like that. Um, so but more we, for like the recovery aspect? Yeah, of, we, yeah, and we, yeah. We, I have most of my athletes try to do something like that. Mm-hmm. But we didn't do a bunch of cardio until the very end, the last like month or so from now. So we, we did a little bit of circuit training, mm-hmm. you know, right at that end part. Because I, you know, her being a powerlifter, her being – um, you know, still performance based, I didn't really want to pull the calories much lower than, you know, that, that again, that 180 carb range, that 165 carb range was her low. Mm-hmm. Um, we started, I believe we started circuits after that. When we started to come back up, I started giving her more food, but I increased the output a little bit. Okay. So now the food's able to help her recover a little bit better. Mm-hmm. The output should trump a little bit of that. Yeah. So we started having, and again, these aren't like lengthy circuits, seven, eight, nine minute circuits, and they're not like overly intense, some of them. Um, some are a little harder. Mm-hmm. But so we increased that. So that brings the output side into, into everything. She's going through um, a little bit more of a volume phase. So the, the food, this is why I love controlling people's program and the food because now I'm, I'm in complete control. Right. I can manipulate your expenditures and I can manipulate your food mm-hmm. and I can do it accordingly. And that's one of the biggest things with nutrition that people overlook. They'll hire, you know, one person for nutrition. You have to be able to send them your programming and then hopefully those coaches or, you know, you being the relay person can communicate that yeah. like, I've had people where it's very, very hard. They want to eat a shit ton of food and their coach has them on like very low volume training, you know, with no accessories really and Mm -hmm. stuff. It's like one, like your food doesn't need to be overly high if you're not doing a ton of volume on any one thing. Now, besides during a peak or something like that, when your CNS is getting whacked, Mm -hmm. all right, that's a completely different story. But like if it's off season training and it's like low volume and there's not a lot of accessory and there's no cardio, I'm probably going to ask like, Hey, make sure it's okay with your coach. We're going to add a little bit of like cardio or GPP work in something Mm -hmm. needs to happen. uh, If you want to be able to eat more than you eat now. So it, it again, depends on a lot of different factors, yeah. but like when you can sit there and control both those things, there's no like one set thing. So someone coming in with your exact same demographic, mm-hmm. as far as your weight, your height, your, you know, they could be your identical twin, but you two work out two completely different ways. That's, that's completely different energy systems. Right. So we need to fuel 
based on those energy systems. Right. Another great example is um, Lindsay had a client before that we, um, you know, we tested this. She came in from CrossFit, got baseline bod pod done. So we knew everything. Mm -hmm. Lindsay changed up the program. She did it more lifting based. She did have some cardio in, um, some light, light circuits once in a while, but hardly anything, right? Mm -hmm. And over those months, she gained muscle. She lost body fat. Mm -hmm. All right. And her weight, I think, if I remember correctly, her weight might might have came down a, a little bit also. Okay. All right. Went back to CrossFit, did six months of CrossFit, and we, we did this. It's crazy. Hmm. She lost, um, her body fat increased by like 6% or something like that. It was significant. It was like 6% increase in body fat. Whoa. She had lost, because she lost a bunch of muscle, all right? Because okay. the volume of work was probably not there. Working at too high intense, too much high intensity, without you know, there there's certain not to say you can't go out and just pick up some things and gain some muscle, sure, mm-hmm. but it's not the same as when you're working at like sixty five percent of a back squat for sets of you know eight or right. something like that. So. What happened was Again, different energy systems yeah, is she fueled, you know, and it, I, she fueled, tried to fuel for CrossFit, but it's just, it's not, it's not enough. Right. Do you know what I mean? It was interesting. That was a, like a direct, you know, correlation mm-hmm. of everything that happened. So, um, I forget if she actually, I'd have to ask Lindsay cause I forget if like, I forget if Lindsay did her nutrition the entire time through that. Or if she tried to maintain her macros through that, like on her own, like, oh, I'm just going to eat the same amount or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But it was very interesting. Even the client was like, I never realized that like I could go do CrossFit and lose that much muscle mass and lose um, and gain that much body fat back onto my body. And this goes back to a lot of the CrossFitters that I've known for years. Most of them look worse now than they did five, six years ago. Do you think part of that comes from... Like the fueling prospect or aspect? Diet is one. Yeah. Um, and, and nothing against like, hey, if your thing is like, I just want to go to the gym, but you know what? On the weekends, I'm fucking drinking beer and eating wings. Hey, if that's your thing, go do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, do it. But like, don't complain when you have a gut or right. like you got a little bit of body fat. Hell, I love pizza. So like when I eat pizza, I can't complain like, oh man, I'm looking fat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what you did yourself. And, yeah. Again, we'll get into that. It's not to say you can't eat these foods. I do run a more flexible model, mm-hmm. which many have seen. So like um, my stage competitors, for example, Carrie ate a Reese cup every night before she went to bed. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I've had girls eat ice cream and stuff. Most of my clients eat some kind of sweet or some kind of fatty food, you mm-hmm. know, at night um, once in a while and some almost every day. You know, so when it's like 1% of your diet, 2% of your diet, like it's not going to make a big deal. It's not a big difference. But uh, my clients do get to go eat burgers and fries once in a while. You know, there are things that we can do. Mm -hmm. So I try to approach it from the performance, if that's your thing, the aesthetics, if that's your thing, Mm -hmm. combination, if that's your thing, but also the mentality of it all as well. Because if you're having a shit time dieting, you're not going to adhere to it, one, you're going to quit before anything actually happens too, you know, and then your performance is probably going to take a shit. Cause then you're going to just go eat junk food and binge. And then you're going to feel like shit when you train. Yeah. So it, it, there's a it's lot of awful cycle. Yeah. Yeah. 
bouncy ball and it just keeps rolling. Yep. So I know there was some, some other examples I wanted to give here. So for Carrie was a great example too. So she actually, this is another thing about changing up your workout and everything else. She came from, she came from CrossFit and okay. then I started doing her programming nutrition and over the course of like that initial, I believe it was about three months over the initial three months, uh, we increased food by 800 calories a day. She lost 2% body fat. So, Which sounds backwards. Yeah. To most Wait, people. how did you, how did you get her calories up and she lost body fat? That makes no sense. Oh yes, it does. Makes perfect sense. Say the timing on that though. Mm-hmm. Again, that was three months, which yeah. that one was a clear indicator, um, overfed, overtrained or underfed, overtrained, mm. and then also not proper with the foods and not a good, good enough manipulation of the food. So like things like that, but then, you know, also that just that training base difference, you know, and this is someone, you know, this wasn't someone young, you know, young by grandstander. Sure. But I think she was 30, 34 at the time. She has four kids, mm-hmm. you know, so it wasn't like this was a 20 year old. We did this to, right. This was someone in their mid thirties with, with multiple kids. So the time aspect is such an important thing where whether you talk about people who have these like 30 day fads or anything like that, like mm-hmm. rebuilding the metabolism, that alone, like you said, that takes months. Yeah. To, now, the process of figuring out what you have to do before you rebuild the metabolism, that takes time. Yeah. To really see the changes start to happen and take advantage well, of it, that's the, a whole other aspect. The thing and, is, this is why you'll never see me advertise like a quick fix. I'll never do a eight-week challenge or not no bullshit like that. Yeah. Um, if I want to do a challenge, it's going to be – it, and I've always said this and I'll probably still never do it, but it would be like <laughs> highly scientific. Like I would make you go get, you would have to get a DEXA scan mm-hmm. or something like that to start the process. And you would have to take pictures and you would have to like, you know, it'd be voted on by a panel of aesthetic change, performance change, whatever it is over the course of months, you know? All right. I'm going to throw it out there. If anyone's listening and they are interested and have these resources available for Justin to t- make use of write in, let us know. I will be the person who forces him to do this because he yeah. says he, he would do it, but I'd never get around to it. Yeah. But it's just like, I, I would never, it takes three weeks to four weeks to really find where that person's baseline is. Mm-hmm. It can take that long for things to start to kick in generally too. Like, it's not just like, Hey, I've been on nutrition for three days, not seeing a change. Well, no shit. <laughs> you know, you got to give it time. So it's like, it's funny how we think about things like that. Like you can, you know, it's like if you've never shot a basketball a day in your life and then at 28 years old, you're like, yeah, I'm going to go out and shoot a basketball today and you fucking airball the first five, you know? And it's like, then you start to hit the rim and like, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like you, you're not LeBron James just because you went out and shot a basketball. <laughs> like it takes time. You can't take something you haven't done in years or ever mm-hmm. and expect to be good at it or efficient at it in two weeks. It's, it doesn't work that way. Not so. to jump back too much, but this is why I really like when you mentioned earlier, the idea of like, don't use your weight, like mm-hmm. the number as a measurement for it. And yep. I think in part, the reason that the number for weight gets used is because when people don't know any better, that's all they've got to measure. Yep. Just like, well, did I lose weight? Yeah. And once you have, a coach or someone helping you go through this, they have so many other things that they can use as a measurement for progress to mm-hmm. let you know that it does, it, it feels good 
It's like, you don't have to rely on, you know, whether the scale went up or down. Mm -hmm. It's like, Hey, did I hit my numbers for the week? Great. Or did I figure out what my numbers are? Did I just figure out what food to not eat? Did I get better with my food selection? It's all these things. I've done this with myself as well. So like, I remember back when I was trying to put on weight to, um, for powerlifting and stuff, it's like, you know, I had little jokes here and there, like, oh man, getting chubby, huh? Or like whatever. And I've talked about this before where it's like, then you look at my pictures when I weighed like 210 and when I weighed like 218 mm-hmm. in my 218 pictures, I'm pretty much like shredded up compared to my 210 pictures. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it took time to build that up. Yeah. So, you know, flash forward, you know, I've, I've talked about this many times too. It's like now, um, I sit with more muscle on my body than I did when, uh, you know, back then like 208, 209 pounds of muscle on the body. And that used to be how much I actually weighed, you mm-hmm. know? So it's like the body fat percentage as well. It's like, if you, I go look at my bod pod charts, I've never actually fluctuated. It's been 2% fluctuations here and there. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I went from, you know, probably like 13 and a half. I went to like 15 and a half and then I came back down and mm-hmm. you know what I mean? You could see these fluctuations over time with my body fat changes. Um, it's like if I were to actually diet right now, mm-hmm. I could probably be in an all-time low body fat, according to the bod pod, since I've been doing the tests. Yeah. I could probably hit an all-time body fat low in the high 220s. So I would still have a shit ton of muscle on my body. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Compared to before, you know? So like my lowest... You know, times were back like doing CrossFit. Obviously, like I had low body fat, but I had low muscle, lower muscle mass as well. Yeah. So the correlation, like, you know, it's just one of those things. Now, why I'm doing powerlifting, I know my thresholds. I know when I hit a certain body fat range, that like my performance does diminish a little bit, and that's personal to me. Mm-hmm. There is science that says like, hey, this is kind of the threshold of like where you generally start to lose, but there's outliers too. There's guys with 9% body fat that walk around that are (laughs) jacked, fucking strong. You know what I mean? All that stuff. Yeah. Genetics. Um, Yeah. Good for your genetics. I (laughs) I bless your parents. Thank you. But, um, you know, we, the, the thing with nutrition is like we get and again, the, we get these gem pop people Mm -hmm. that will come in and they freak out over like, oh my God, it's week two or week one. My clothes are fitting. Like calm down men too. That It's like body dysmorphia. Like your clothes, oh, yeah. your clothes might fit a little tighter. Your clothes are going to fit different. Your body's changing. Give it time. Mm-hmm. Some days it's water. Three months from now, four months from now, five months from now, it could be muscle changes. It is going to change the physique difference in your body. You know how many times I've went through jeans since I started yep. lifting? <laughs> like, you know, things happen. And I just hate that we're still in 2021, we're still in this thinking like, if I eat food, you know, oh my God, I'm, you know, girls, I'm getting too bulky. I'm gaining too much muscle. I'm going to look like a man. I, pro- I promise you will not like mm-hmm. not eat, not in, you could lift and eat for the next two years and you probably won't look like a man, you know, right. it's hard to believe that that information is still out there because we, you know, we're in this niche realm where most people kind of half understand things, yeah. you know, at least they're not falling into that. So it's like when those people, you know, because we still own a gym here, when those people come through the door, you're just like, holy shit, this, this information still like, out. Yeah. it's like a whole different planet. Like there's people yep. out there that still think this, what, you know? So it's like, 
um, you know, in people, a way we get isolated from like the worst of it. Yeah. Because we're surrounded by people, like you said, who at least know something. Yeah. Know that enough that, that that's been debunked and right. that's all bullshit out there. And when the yeah. group of people come in who haven't learned that yet, yeah. you get reminded of what's still out there and it just blows the mind. Yeah. Well, it's, um, you know, not to go too far off topic, but it's like the rant in my phone that I showed you the other day. Mm-hmm. It's like we had someone that wanted to come in and do uh, personal training. And mind you, like we're, our training's like for our, the other coaches is middle ground, probably even a little bit on the low end, to be honest. As far as price? Yeah. Yeah. Like they could definitely charge more. And um, for, for what the market in this area calls for. And this lady was like, you know, we quoted her and mm-hmm. was like, um, she was like, well, she's like, I, I don't under, after talking to my husband, like, I don't understand why your guys' prices are so much different than my other two trainers that I've had before. She's like, you know, unless you guys have like a cheaper option, I can't, I can't do this or whatever. And like, I'm going to have to cancel my consult or, mm-hmm. Hey, all well and good. But I told the lady, I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, these prices uh, are set by our expertise and by the demand for our services. Like I said, here's your other options to, you know, you can bring a friend and split the cost. You mm-hmm. can do this and that, you know, whatever, like it'll come a little bit lower, get in a group, whatever. But um, the thing is, is like, I started doing the math. I'm like, wow. So like, what, what are these trainers charging out there? That, t- I mean, if a trainer is charging 25, 30 bucks for an hour, they're probably not a very good trainer. They're probably not mm-hmm. in very good demand, and they probably, honestly, they they probably uh, are needy for the clients. Yeah, I mean, you know, unless you unless you're maybe like training out of your garage, and it's like a hobby thing, and you have another job, and it's like a side thing. Okay, I walk out into my garage, I make thirty bucks for the hour, and I'm I'm done. Yeah, yeah, you know, whatever. I mean, for some people, that's reasonable, mm-hmm. you know, and that's their that's their price for their time or whatever. But generally, like that, tell that would tell me a big indicator that your coach or your trainer doesn't know anything. Then, like if they're charging that cheap, then they they don't know anything. They don't, unless they grossly don't value their time. But they probably just don't know much. Right is is what it is. They probably stick you on a bunch of machines and walk you through some bullshit program, and they don't know what the hell they're doing. So, and some people want that, which yeah. is why there are trainers like that. And yeah, but, by comparison, yeah, you guys know more. You have a better quality and the mm-hmm. price reflects that. Yeah. Um, and you know, vice versa. So like there's coaches I know, um, the one I said earlier charges $175 a month for nutrition and it doesn't call for that. I've seen the communication. I've seen what he, the information that he gives out. Mm-hmm. It's literally the, um, again, we've, we've said this before. It's the same style of information. Like as far as like what you're getting, Except I probably communicate more with my athletes than he does, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like charge a hundred dollars more for nutrition. And it's like, is it, is that worth that? You know, and some people are paying it just to be part of a team, right? you know, be part of an Insta group. Um, the prestige of having them as a coach. Yeah. What about um, having them? But. Yeah. Meanwhile, meanwhile, they're going on vacations every week and are blowing your money, <laughs> you know, thank you. Um, that's honestly, that's what those type of people think like is like. They don't give a shit about you. They care about the money inflowing into their pocket mm-hmm. so they can go buy new cars, so they can go on vacations all the time, so they can post that they're balling on Instagram or whatever. I don't follow the idiot, but like, you know, <laughs> I just, it, and you know, it's like if it was just one time, okay, you know, I understand people say things about coaches. When I personally have taken on nearly, uh, it's got to be about 10 clients, 12 clients by now 
that worked with that person. Ouch. And it's all the same shit. Mm-hmm. That tells me right there that they're probably right. Yeah. You know, it's always the same thing. And none of these people know each other. So it's not like they all huddled up and was like, oh, let's hate this guy. And yeah. Let's go to this. No. These are people that just like come through. Mm-hmm. So anyway, to get off that rant, I did have some uh, some questions on nutrition. By the way, with this nutrition stuff, I am going to put out more podcasts dealing with this. So we'll try to get a little bit deeper into things. Maybe we'll talk about energy systems and stuff like that. So, But I just want this one to be change your perception of how you eat. Change the thinking around like I have to restrict. Change the thinking around everything that you hear in the media world. Don't listen to Tom Brady on <laughs> nutrition information. All right. Granted, he probably picked some of those things from I'm sure he hired someone and they're getting paid a lot of money, you know, but it doesn't mean they're right. Right. Do do the research for yourself and find the information for yourself and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. And, and most of the good nutrition coaches I know, this is what they do. Mm-hmm. I can I can name a I won't start naming a couple, but there's like three I can think off the top of my head that are around the country that do almost the exact same thing and they do it for most of their clients. It's not like I'll just say it, RP strength. Uh, RP diet or whatever. The RP will take like the three or four people that do great on mm-hmm. RP and they'll post about them. Meanwhile, there's like, we've seen them. I've had, God, I don't even know how many people came through on RP diet and they're basically talking about how they're starved out. They don't eat their performance sucked, you know, this and that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, not to say that pe- the people behind it are smart, but whatever they're doing, isn't working for a lot of people, but the yeah, couple people, the couple people. And when you get those higher level athletes, it's all it takes a couple higher level athletes and you blow up your media and you got good marketing. There you go. Toss a question out here. What are your thoughts on macro timing to coincide with heavier, more taxing training? So with macro timing, obviously like the day of training, we always like to try to eat moderate throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then really get those carbs running and, um, carbs with a little bit of fat, um, not overeating fats before training because it will slow you down. Go ask any Olympic lifter, anyone who's ever tried to move fast, mm-hmm. if they ate a heavy fat meal before training and it didn't go well, I promise you that. Nope. So this whole thing of like, I'm going to smash a, a cheeseburger and Chipotle and then I'm going to go squat one. You'll probably shit yourself <laughs> Two. <laughs> You're probably going to move slow. You're just going to have an insane bloat. But if you're revved up on good carbohydrates, I promise you're going to move fast. Um, and you're going to feel fast. You're going to feel bouncy. Mm-hmm. You're going to be able to move with speed because, we'll just throw this out there, that's the main driver of ATP. Mm-hmm. So that energy system runs off of carbohydrate, just so everyone knows. All right. Anyway, we'll get into that one. Yep. That, I love that make stuff. A little note. Yeah. So... On the training day, hour and a half, hour and a half before, we're eating good carbs, you know, a little bit of protein. So, again, if you're on higher macros, that might look like 50, 60, 70 carbs. It might be, you know, 20, 30 protein. And maybe like you ingest four or five fats or something with that, you know, six fats. That's not going to kill you. Post training is important to immediately get in higher carbs. And then when you do eat your post-workout meal, I always tell these clients this, unless you're training late at night, then you kind of have no choice. 
um, in a way, unless you wanted to manipulate a little bit. I like to have people eat fats before they go to bed. I think it helps uh, the slower digestion, the sleep, and all that stuff. Um, but if you don't eat your fats with your you know carbs post workout, those carbs are going to enter your your body and restore a little bit quicker. It doesn't slow down the digestion as much when you eat it with fats. So that's a, if you're going to spike you know blood sugars, that's a great time to do it is post workout. So. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one that I st- can't stand is still out there where they're like, we got to have your protein within that 30 minute window after you get done working out. Carbs should be the first, first yeah. and immediate thing there. There is like that anabolic window stuff and all that. It's like, well, we should get, uh, we're going to tangent here. At some it, point we'll it, talk more about it. Think, yeah, think of ahead. it like a sponge. Like when you work out everything, all the muscle fibers, everything's like expanded. And that's the mm-hmm. way I like to try to say it. As that sponge dries out, it contracts, right? Mm-hmm. And it goes back down. So yes, that's going to happen. And yes, we want to try to flow nutrients in. But the first thing should be carbohydrates. Let those get going. And then if you have, if you get to your pro- protein 30 minutes after, I promise you're not going to die. Like you're not going to lose all muscle. You right. know what I mean? So um, there is a research study that we were looking at when I was in statistics class just randomly we used it as an example where there was a guy actually i think it was a professor out of mount union who was doing it he's really big on the timing of protein and he was showing that there's based on the amount of protein you have and the timing like the best timing that they found for the the leucine reaction Mm -hmm. that came from it was like 90 to 120 minutes out Mm -hmm. if you were to take like 40 grams Mm -hmm. and they showed the amount of the reaction if you were within if you did like 10 grams within the the zero to 20 minute range was less are, than are half you're talking post post yeah when you said out i don't want people to think we're talking like prior oh no so post workout when they did the window of like the zero to 20 minutes and it was 10 grams and then mm-hmm. they did zero to 20 minutes for 20 30 40 and then they took the time you know farther out yeah. or after the workout and yeah, the optimum range, it was like 40 grams an hour and a half to two hours afterward, as far as the reaction that it had yeah. going into it. But everyone, because it's been marketed is just, they're set on mm. this. Well, I got to give them a protein in yeah. right away. Now, if, if it's someone that like struggles to get their protein in, I will recommend like a shake. And mm-hmm. I would say like, you know, a shake and a banana as you're leaving the gym or mm-hmm. when you get to your car or whatever. Generally, I, I, I try to, Tell that to people that like are maybe on higher proteins and it's hard for them to get them in so they don't forget to get them in. Yeah. So they're not sitting there at nine o'clock at night shoveling down steak because they didn't get their protein in. You Been know there. I mean? Yeah. It sucks. <laughs> so um, it yeah. doesn't sound like it should because you're like, oh, you get to eat steak at night. It's like, no, you have to. No, you have to. And it's eat, not yeah. fun. <laughs> so the thing is, is like timing isn't the most important thing on the scale as far as like, um, what you should when you take things in like timing isn't the most important but it's the best for adherence and being mm-hmm. optimal with your performance right like you said like if you if you miss out on protein all of a sudden you have to eat 100 grams of protein before you go to bed that sucks mm-hmm. no one wants to do that like that's not fun so um you know timing on that aspect isn't always the most important now going back to being a heavy lift or a high, heavier training day I like to even fuel, especially if you're a morning workout person, which this person was, Mm -hmm. um, I like to fuel the day before, the night before, 
So like for this person, like, you know, that day before, you know, especially in the midday or getting towards the night, maybe eat a little bit bigger dinner, make sure you have a good, uh, fatty, you know, um, meal before you go to bed that way it's like still like some slow digestion in there and things and then obviously try to get up a little bit earlier and eat a little bit bigger breakfast so Mm -hmm. and that doesn't need to be complicated you can have a normal breakfast but okay i'm training early heavy day maybe i'll throw in a bowl of cereal today with it or a bowl of oatmeal or something that what's that take two minutes to to make and a couple minutes to eat there Mm -hmm. you go Uh, maybe i'll have a little bit of extra fruit today. I don't usually eat fruit. So I'm going to have some fruit, you know, that right there, it's like you're adding 30, 40, 50 grams of carbs in extra on top of what you normally eat. So Mm -hmm. that's plenty to help fuel. So, um, from there, make sure you get in plenty of water. Um, the morning of, I wouldn't smash water before you go to bed because you'll pee all night. Mm -hmm. But like when you wake up in the morning, you should be drinking a significant amount of water. Um, have a little bit of sodium in your breakfast and hopefully that helps retain some things. And there you go. Um, there are some good, um, there are some other like good supplements out there that help, you know, hold that sodium and things. So, mm-hmm. um, let's see, let me get on to another question, but hopefully that helps with timing. Um, and then, well, uh, you know, coming back to the more taxing training too, I know we hit on eating post. Um, make sure you eat enough post. Mm -hmm. Like that's a lot of people. I had a client that was like that, that trains later at night and would eat like barely anything, go to bed. So that recovery is already thrown off. Yeah. You're basically, you eat such a small amount, then you don't eat for 10, 11 more hours, you know, or whatever Mm -hmm. after that meal. And it's like, that's bad. Yeah. So make sure that you're eating plenty post training. Um, I do like what you said though, where it's like, it's not that the timing isn't important it's not that there aren't like uh benefits or consequences to doing it like you said with the person who might work out at night and then doesn't eat anything like there are obviously consequences to that even if they're hitting all of their macro numbers throughout the day like that's a specific example where it could get thrown off but you want to hit those other aspects prior to worrying about timing if you're worried about like am i getting enough carbs and then protein at the right time after the workout but you're not hitting your macro numbers out the day anyway it's like you have the small benefit for the timing, but you're missing the big benefit of the total numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, I had, um, you know, not that another thing is like meal choices and stuff. Like I had, I had a guy try to, he's a bro, try to argue with me before. Like, Oh, the only thing I eat post workout is chicken and rice. Like I don't eat anything. Like that's what I do post workout. Cause I told him, I'm like, dude, why don't you eat a bowl of cereal or something post workout? Mm-hmm. You know, like, cause he was talking about how <laughs> like he just like, felt drained and like, oh, I hate eating this post-workout. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You don't have to eat chicken and rice post-workout. That's not like the, the magic meal. Yeah, the magic meal. Oh, my God, you're going to burn so, or you're going to build so much muscle right now <laughs> just because you ate that. No, like it's common, um, especially if I train a little bit earlier in the day. Like I'll go home and sometimes I will have a bowl of cereal before I actually have my meal, mm-hmm. you know, just to get quick, you know, carbs it's basically like if you look at most cereals, there's not a lot of fat in them, straight carb, mm-hmm. you know? So you get those carbs in right away. And then now, especially if I need to prepare my meal, uh, I'm not hangry. Got a little bit in there going right. already. I could prepare my meal and I'm good to go, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, 
a lot of the questions I get are, I had another question around timing. So I guess we'll can kind of continue on that a little bit. Um, if you're going to, if you're going to, you got to plan things around your workout. I think that's everyone's biggest factor around performance that they screw up. It's like, it's common for eat a small breakfast, ate a lunch at work, ate a snack at four o'clock, four thirty, went to train, went home, had a meal, went to bed. That's terrible. Like you, you, so you basically ate two meals in a day and two snacks and you expect that your training is going to be good off of that. You know, so typical timing is like your breakfast should be significant. You're breaking a fast. So you need to ha- make that significant with good, wholesome foods, nutritious foods, plenty of water. And then, you know, a couple hours later, you need to be eating some sort of snack. Or if you are someone bigger, a lot more muscle, you know, things like that, higher caloric intake, you need to be eating another meal. From there, you know, depending which, everyone gets a lunch. You need to eat lunch. Mm-hmm. Smart. So let's just say that breakfast was at 6 a.m. You don't know, just space it out. Like your lunch should be around noon. You know, that second meal, 9, 9.30, 9, mm-hmm. somewhere through there, 10, whatever, snack, you know, eat your meal, 12, 12.31, whatever. Before you come into train should be a pretty, a pretty, a decent meal. Like you should have something that is even like Lindsay, when she gets off work and she goes home and she might only be there for a half hour before coming into train, she's still eating like a semi-normal meal mm-hmm. and that might be something quick that's ready to go like a beef and rice or something like that mm-hmm. you know and then she'll have some fruit so she's got her carbs in she's got a little bit of protein a little bit of fats in there there you go yep. you know um we've already went over the post-workout what that should be and then at night like if you want to eat a little bit more fat you know you can have your little treats then so there's a ton of different things you can do i'm, I'm not gonna go through all the concoctions but right um, oh, one that we used to do, we post them every once in a while, but we've been doing this for, I don't even know, seven years now. <laughs> like, um, we do Greek yogurt, like, okay, yeah, we, and we don't do these every night, but it is something we'll get on a little kick of them sometimes. You know, you do Greek yogurt, you can put anything in plain Greek yogurt yeah. and I promise you it's going to taste good. Like you can throw, um, we used to throw like the white chocolate, wonderful peanut butter in there, mm-hmm. um, with maybe like an Oreo crushed up. A um, little bit, tiny bit of like chocolate protein powder, mix that up. You have chocolate pudding with the Oreo crumbles yeah. in there and peanut butter. That is a fatty meal mm-hmm. with high amount of protein and a little bit of carb before you go to bed. I used to love to put uh, banana and peanut butter mm-hmm. uh, in Greek yogurt with, I think it was like Nutella because I wanted like a touch of like chocolate yeah. that was in there. Oh man, that was good. That's the thing is that the combinations are endless. If you're someone's like, I'm not eating Oreos. Those are bad for you. Okay. Well then don't put it in. Then don't put it in. Throw in something else. Like, Guess what? Have Greek yogurt anyway. Just uh, figure out what you want with it. Yeah. People throw like granola in there. Uh, I've seen a bunch of different t- types. Done granola and honey. Yeah. yeah. It's like it doesn't need to be overly complicated, but the point is you're putting slow digesting proteins in there. If you add the protein powder, that's, you know, other proteins, but they're still going to digest a little bit slower because of everything that's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have whatever you want fill your fats fill the rest of carbs for the day boom Mm -hmm. there you go not hard so that's a good one to eat before bed um you know if you're gonna have like you know i'll have one one cookie you know like a chocolate chip cookie or something Mm -hmm. i'll have chocolate chip cookie and a big ass glass of milk sometimes before i go to bed now 
we can get into the whole thing, whether milk is like inflammatory and this and that, but you know conversation, what? yeah, fucking I drink milk. So, <laughs> you know, like sue me. All right. So you, if you don't like milk, find something else. This is, I know we've talked about it before, but this is what I like where you say it's up to the person to figure out mm-hmm. what they should have before bed. They put the responsibility on them because yep. everyone is a little different on how they're going to react to something. Well, that and that's why I run that flexible model of like, I send people a foods list to kind of help them think about putting together meals. Mm-hmm. These meals are very caloric, um, not caloric, but uh, nutrient dense generally. Mm-hmm. But just because I put, like I just put vegetables on there because everyone has their different vegetables. Now, if you have, we get into this later, the people that stick on nutrition is, I'll start getting into Do you have deficiencies? If they're willing to go get blood work done, we can look at deficiencies. Now I can tell you what to eat to fuel that deficiency. If there's still a deficiency, now we need to supplement too. Mm -hmm. You know, because, and especially if they are eating enough of whatever it is that they're deficient in, um, then yeah, okay, we need to start supplementing something. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're in low light region, you know, why we're talking about supplements, vitamin D. If you're not supplementing, you better get it in. Mm-hmm. Because you're most likely vitamin D deficient or low. I know we talked about that one yeah. a couple times now. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to keep mentioning that, but um, don't want to get too far into supplements, but let's move on. Ah, darn it. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that. At some I point. love talking about those ones. Um, you got her, uh, you got her at noon. So I'll, I'll do one more here. Um, where's that person's? Oh, the, uh, the next, the one was, uh, asking about like basically how much protein they should be eating in a day and things like that. Again, this is, this is general info. Like it, it just depends on your training style, um, your, your, you know, body weight, your, your muscle mass, your, your things like that. Like a lot of things come into play here. So, oh, excuse me. What I usually do is I think that people should be point, depending, point eight um, to, let's say, 1.1, 1.2 okay. at, um, uh, of their body weight. So, like, if you're eating, you know, if you weigh 100 pounds, it's just simple math, mm-hmm. 100 pounds, like, your kind of minimum, especially if you're if you're someone training stuff, should be 80 grams. Now, this all just depends on the person. So, like someone that weighs like 300 pounds with 25% body fat, I'm not going to have them eat 300 grams of protein. Right. That's going to be a little bit lower because they don't have as much muscle mass. Mm-hmm. But someone that might be like 170 pounds, uh, shredded up, you know what I mean, ton of muscle mass on their body. Okay, we're probably heading over a gram per pound body weight um, to support that muscle mass and things like that. Um, depends where they're at in, um, are they cutting? Are they bulking up? Or You know, I'm using these general terms. I hate the you know, cutting yeah. bulking thing. But if we're moving weight, trying to move and gain weight, um, you don't need to go on a two gram per pound protein diet. You're just yeah. wasting that protein. You're one, it's costing you a lot too. You're storing fat or shitting it out. So mm-hmm. you don't need that much protein. Um, that's what upping the carbs and the fats is for. And then you, ha- Oh shit. Then you have, that, <laughs> then you have that protein, um, threshold where you manipulate that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So yes, as someone is gaining, 
we tend to creep up the protein with it a little bit, but it's, it's not a significant jump. What's the highest protein you've you know, um, had someone on? Generally, if, you if you're like a natty person, um, natural, you know, don't take drugs or anything person, you're cutting. Um, 1.4 isn't uncommon to go to mm-hmm. um, during a cutting phase. Um, Do you but, know a number, like a total gram? Oh, uh, well, I mean, I, I coach some some bigger guys right now that yeah, that's um, what I was wondering. are 300 pounds, 275 pounds. Uh, I think one of them's like three in the three teens. So um, I think like three, just over 300 grams. Okay. You know, these guys that weigh in the 300s, they're not like 10% body fat weighing 300. Right. But yeah, they need a significant amount. I mean, they're, they're thick, you mm-hmm. know, got a lot of muscle on them for sure. I would love to, for them to, I've told them to get a bod pod or not bod pod, but a Dexa done mm-hmm. to kind of see, but um, they probably want to fit in the bod pod. Some big humans. That's true. Yeah. So, um, but you know, so it, it, and the thing is, is like, if you look at like Brian Shaw, all right. Mm-hmm. When he, if you go YouTube, like a day of his eating back when he was eating like 10,000 calories a day or 9,000 a day or whatever, yeah. it's like him to sit down and eat a pound of <laughs> ground beef. You know what I mean? Like that, that can be a meal for him. You know? One meal. Yeah. And that's, um, that's a, big, that a couple times a day. It's a big human being. Yeah. He's, he's the size of a horse. So it's like, <laughs> you know, of course, like he could sit there and shovel that down and that's his needs, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I've watched guys like eat two steaks in one meal and things like that. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, you're, it's all relative to your body fat and your um, body composition. So, uh, you know, if you're like, you know, like Eddie Hall, when he was cutting down and it's like, cool, he weighed, he got down to like what, 330 or 340, but he was mm-hmm. 350 maybe, but he was like getting a lot more shredded down from like four or something that he weighed, Yeah, you know? But like he was getting a little more shredded. I'm sure he like, I'm sure he didn't just down his protein. Well, I'm down here, so I'm gonna drop off a hundred grams of protein a day. Like I, I doubt that. Right. You know. So, um, reason I asked that one specifically. So, had a project when I was in class, and we were doing this comparison of a animal based uh, protein diet and a vegetable based, and that could be vegetarian or vegan, and we created these fake profiles for the class to use. And one of them was uh, based on an Akron football player who was coming in around like 300 pounds. Mm-hmm. And I did ballpark numbers for macros on it because I gave them a sheet with food on it that matched the different types of diets. And I said, I want you to try to create like one day out of these foods that are going to hit these numbers. Yeah. And we just like rotate it around just to show like how difficult it can be to hit numbers like that if you're vegetarian, especially vegan is and what the availability is as a college kid yeah and when i wrote his numbers on the board the protein i remember it was around 240 for his number there was a a middle-aged lady in the class with us who was i i think a physician over in india Mm -hmm. came over her uh, license didn't transfer to the u.s so she was going back to school for something else and her eyes about jumped out of her head when she saw that number and like got worried that he was going to have kidney stones and have all yeah. these issues that are associated with it. And just realizing there's such as smart as she is. I know that she was a very intelligent woman. Yeah. There was such a gap in understanding 
like the macronutrient need for someone who's doing what that football player is doing yeah. the size of body that he well, is it's like um i i actually just did this for simple math purposes but when i was in when i was in college my first nutrition course the um lady had i still laugh about this the lady had said for athletes they only need to be on an 18 percent protein diet okay so i actually calculated this to 20 percent because i wanted the math to be okay. simple um so you take caitlin who i had let's let's call it let's round it to 2000 calories right mm -hmm. on a 2000 calorie diet that would mean that 400 calories is coming from protein mm -hmm. which is 100 grams of protein yeah so 100 grams of protein for a 170 pound female power lifter you know what i mean who's also mm -hmm. doing bodybuilding accessories right what would that equate to that would equate to an injury at some point mm -hmm. uh, you know so so um a lot of like information and i remember like kind of speaking up to that one i was like wait a second <laughs> but that is why like i get that question sometimes too is like and i think i actually had it in my questions here was like uh what percentage of macros should i what percentage of carbs should i be eating a day what percentage of protein what percent fuck the percentages quit thinking of it that way mm -hmm. because percentages are just going to be relative to what you're eating. Sure. We can look at that in the grand scheme of things. Once we figure out the macros of it, mm -hmm. but like for that example, let's say, um, you know, let's say someone said, yeah, you should be on a 20% protein diet. Look where she would be on 20%. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we need to take those things in consideration whenever we're just throwing out blind percentages of like, yeah, you should eat 20% protein or 25% protein. You don't, it, that's going to depend across a wide range of things. So, right. Um, not saying you should eat like a 60% protein diet, you know, unless you're carnivore. I was going to say, I was trying to remember. Yeah. Carnivore. Yeah. Unless Just you're one of those idiots. Straight meat. No. Bacon every day. Uh, well, the caveman did it. So, yeah. Yeah. Look how the well that turned out. Yeah. How'd that, how'd that go for them? Yeah. So. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all the cavemen are pissed right now. They're mad at we us. apologize to any cavemen that are listening. We are sorry. All right. Um, yeah, that's about it for nutrition today. We'll we'll get in to uh, things a little bit deeper at some point here, but hopefully that gives everyone a good understanding of it. And hopefully uh, you all listen. I would like to see more questions come from it. Apparently everyone knows everything about nutrition, which is amazing because I get questions every single day on it. So uh, if you got questions, put them in the box message so we can get that information out to everyone. Um, nine, nine times out of 10, every, every week it mm -hmm. happens where someone hears something on the podcast and they come in and they start asking me questions in my messages. All right. Ask those questions and we will say them on here. I know it kind of probably like light yeah. bulb goes off. I, I understand that, but like put these questions in these Q and A's cause there's a lot more people out there. Sometimes I'll, I will get it where it's like two or three people ask the same exact question. Mm -hmm. Like fuck <laughs> could have talked about that. So yeah. feel free to resubmit. I mean, if, yeah, if, if it's like you we, send a it, it, DM it, and you want yeah. to put it in the question when the, Wow. Q and a comes up, do it, do it. Yeah. That'll help, uh, other people, you know? Um, and then also if you heard something here and you want us to expand on it, then ask for that. We'll do it. So, all right. That's pretty much it for today. Um, what we got, we got Dan Bell's, you're probably, you might be too late to sign up, but Dan Bell's, uh, you saw level one courses this weekend. So if you're one of those people that waited till the last second, you might be able to get signed up. Um, 
on there. So it's at the gym, knowledgeable course uh, for people that need CEUs and things like that. It's it's a course that does count towards it. So uh, is your template available on the website now? Uh, not yet. We're restructuring the website a little bit. Um, I believe it. the information's up there as far as how much it costs and things, but um, I don't remember. I don't think we, we were going to put it to where you could pay for through your first month or whatever. And, but now it's just, it has the information up there. Email us. We'll get you started on it and get the payment system all set up for you. That seems to be easier than the uh, two-step method. So, um, the other thing is we did bring on a new coach. Her name's Skylar. If you do not follow her, let me look her up real quick. Cause I'm going to get it wrong. If I don't, <laughs> um, I can't remember anyone's insights. Uh, CPT underscore Skylar underscore lifts. Um, she's been a lifter for a while. Uh, one of the people at Lindsay coaches. Um, so we're bringing her over from a, a place we could rant about, you know, so a different um, day at a different time. Yeah. She's a good addition. Uh, smart girl. She thinks critically. And when I interviewed her, she, she actually says things, um, that I would expect to come out of people's mouths. I've been doing this for about seven or eight years and, and she only has a couple years into it. So, mm-hmm. um, she's got a little, little brain on her. Um, she'll be a great addition. If you're interested in training with her, you can always get a hold of the gym or get a hold of her directly. Um, what else we got coming up? People keep asking um, about the signups for the meets. That will probably be on the website here in like April or May. We don't want to put things out um, one too early, but uh, also we're going to try to, you know, taper them as we release them. That way, you know, everyone's not signing up for just one meet. Um, We understand that especially the uh, fall brawl is probably going to sell out. So if you're listening to this and you're interested in that, I would sign up the day that it's put out because I'm guaranteeing you that one is going to sell out within uh, a very short time. You might have some lifters that do try to wait. You know, typically I understand you do like to wait till a couple months in advance. So um, I'm going to try to put that one out a little bit later than the other two, just because I know people like to wait on their timeline um, before fully committing. So, um, but once it is posted, I would fully commit. Uh, do you got anything, Dan? Nope. All right. That's it. All right. Yeah, that's it for today. Like I said, throw some questions out there next time. Um, we'll answer a few more. I, I do have a couple, but that's it for today. See you later. Have a good one.